Tim Sanders, who worked for Yahoo, and his title was quite interesting. I thought, what a title. He was Chief Solutions Officer uh, at Yahoo, and he wrote a book called Love is the Killer App. He was talking about priorities, and he shared some of these thoughts about priorities. It's the beginning of the year, and I think it's incredibly helpful to us to look at this subject of establishing priorities. And this is what Tim Sanders said. Take your life and all the things that you think are important and put them in one of these three categories. These three categories are represented by three items, glass, metal, and rubber. The things that are made of rubber, when you drop them, they will bounce back. Nothing really happens to these kind of things when they get dropped. So, for instance, and I enjoy sporting events, so don't take me wrong here. If I miss a Seahawks, that's Seattle Seahawks, that's probably his favorite team, a Seahawks game, my life will bounce along just real fine. It doesn't change anything and nothing is lost by me missing a game uh, or even part of the season of football. I can take them or leave them. There are things that are made of metal, and when they get dropped, they create a lot of noise. But you can recover from that drop. You miss a meeting at work, you can get the notes. Or if you forget to balance your checkbook and lose track of how much you have in your account, and the bank notifies you that you have been spending more than you have, it's going to create a little bit of noise in your life, but you can recover from it. Then there are things that are made out of glass. When you drop one of these, it will shatter into pieces, and it will never be the same. Even though you can piece it back together, it will still be missing some tiny, tiny pieces. It certainly won't look the same, and I doubt it that actually if you filled it up with water, it will hold. Because the consequences of being broken will forever affect the way it's being used. The thing is, and that's his conclusion, you are the only person who knows what those things are that you can't afford to drop. More than likely, they have a lot to do with your relationships, perhaps, your marriage, your family, and your friends. Now, Tim writes as a secular thinker. So my question for us this morning, because we are in church, so you'd expect... for me to raise this question this morning, what are the right spiritual priorities for our lives? What are, in Tim's words, those things made out of glass? Those things that we must make sure we don't drop. Because otherwise, everything will be affected in terms of our spiritual well-being as well as our influence. Thankfully, Jesus gives us some incredibly helpful guidance. And he gives us in the context of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapters 5 to 7, where, if you want, it's Christianity in a nutshell, or the wisdom of Jesus in a distilled form. And as part of that, Jesus talks about worry, and he talks about people worrying about what they will eat and what they will wear, which would have been very much normal for people in that context. And he says to them, do not worry, because A... Uh, You can't change anything about it. And B, because your father, who's in heaven, knows about all these things and he will care and provide for you. 
So don't be just like a pagan who worries. Don't worry. But then he gives us this little nugget, this little secret that is incredibly important. And Julie's going to help me and he's gonna, she's going to put the, this verse on the screen for us. Matthew 6.33. And here is what Jesus says. Here is his secret to dealing with worry, but actually it's much bigger than that. It's to do with priorities in life, spiritually speaking. But seek first his, that's God's kingdom, and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. This is not my wisdom, and it's not Tim Sanders' wisdom. It's not anybody else's wisdom. It is Jesus' wisdom, and he speaks with authority and credibility. So Jesus is saying to us, it's really important that you get the right priorities. Seek first. Seek first. That's the important thing. Because our priorities shape our destinies. The things that are important to us will be the things that will decide the journey that we take. And the destination that we reach. And Jesus very rightfully is saying, seek first. Make sure you have the right priorities. The priorities that you and I have in our lives are very different. I'm absolutely convinced about it. Uh, whatever your interests are. Whatever you're thinking about. Whatever you're spending your money. Whatever you give your affection to. Those will betray what your priorities are. What are the things that are really, really, really important to you? And Jesus is saying, you must make sure you get this right. He said, seek first. The priorities are the things that empty our bank accounts. The priorities are the things that fill our calendars. The priorities are the things that you think when you don't think about anything in particular. And Jesus is saying, you must make sure you get the right priorities. Seek first. Seek first. What is it, you want to say, Jesus, what is it that we should be putting as our first priority? If you're thinking about the people around us who don't know Jesus... And if we were to go out on the streets and do a vox pop asking the question, what is your most important thing in life? What is your top priority in life? People would say probably make as much money as I can in order to fill in the blanks, do the holiday of a lifetime, buy the car that I always wanted to have, um, get a bigger house or get a house, um, buy better clothes. All sorts of things through which people are chasing possessions. Other people are saying, actually, I want to get married. Or I want to get out of a bad relationship into a better relationship. It has to do with people. I want to get on with the people at work. I want to be popular. I want to be liked. That could be a priority in many people's lives. Other people would say, <laughs> this is probably almost everyone in this room, I just want to have... However you would define it, peace. Just peace. You know, whether it's from strife and from stress and from the things that are going on in my life. Just want to have peace. To all of these, Jesus would say, 
I've got a better proposal. Jesus, what is it that we should be putting first in our life? And Jesus is saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And it's like a, it's, it's, it's a package that has two parts of it. It's like a coin that has two sides. And the two things that Jesus is talking about, one is his righteousness and the other one it's the kingdom. But it's two parts of the same package. What is Jesus saying? Seek first his righteousness. Righteousness was something that the Jewish people always wanted to achieve by obeying God, by doing good things to impress God. And guess what? They failed, as we would all do. Every single one of us who would choose and want desperately to live a moral life will fail. We can't do it. So we cannot have a righteous life. And this is the very reason Jesus is born into this world, comes at Christmas and lives his life and he teaches and he heals and he uh, uh, delivers people. And then he ends up dying on the cross and rising on the third day so that we could have his righteousness. Imagine this. Imagine that I was getting married, okay, and I was wearing this wonderful White suit. Sounds very Benny Hinn-esque. You could have laughed at that. Some people don't know who Benny Hinn is. That's all right. It's fine. I do have a white jacket, actually, but it's back home in Romania. So I had this beautiful white suit, everything prepared, you know. And I decide I need the strong triple espresso before the wedding. And I go and have the triple espresso, and as I do... As I'm sipping, somehow it just spills onto the white suit. Now, that is a disaster, right? That is a disaster. It is a disaster, right? Are you tracking with me? You've been staying up all night, haven't you? Just me. It's stained. It's awful. It's terrible. And you know what? I can't do anything about it. And imagine... That I am actually in absolute distress. And I'm thinking there's only one person that can save me. And that's my tailor. And I'm ringing my tailor. And my tailor is saying, do you know what? I'm actually in the car. And I happen to have a jacket. Exactly the same suit that you have. And I'll be with you in three minutes. And you can take your dirty jacket off. And you can put a brand new, absolutely pristine, spotless jacket on. It's a poor analogy, but it's what Jesus did with his righteousness. He takes off my sinful stained garment that brings me shame and embarrassment, and instead he clothes me, that's the biblical language, in his own righteousness, and it's perfect and pristine. And Jesus is saying, you want a priority in life? First side of the coin, seek salvation. And you might be here this morning, and the best thing, 1st of January 2023, as a priority for your life, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you've not experienced what I've just described to you, if you're still wearing your, your, your dirty, sin-stained jacket filled with guilt and embarrassment, Jesus comes to tell you the best thing you can do today is to receive salvation. That's that new 
spotless, perfect jacket that he wants to close us. And that's the first side of the coin. The other side of the coin, Jesus is saying, seek his righteousness, but also seek his kingdom. What does it mean? It means what it says on the tin. That Jesus is our king. That Jesus is our Lord. And we come and submit to him. So he comes to bring salvation, but he also calls us to submit to him. And you could be somebody in here that would, you would experience the sort of righteousness thing, the salvation thing, the jacket thing. But if truth be told, you've slowly started getting that jacket dirty again. Because you decided to live the way you want to live instead of submitting to the way King Jesus wants you to live. And the invitation of a renewed priority this morning, the other side of the coin is, will you submit your life to me? Because that's what it means to be a Christian. It's the two sides of the coin. You're saved in order to submit to the living Christ who comes to live as your king. And then his kingdom comes into you and begins to live out through you. So Jesus is saying, you want the priority? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek his salvation. Seek to submit to him. And then the beautiful thing is, in the context of worry, is that Jesus gives this brilliant promise that all other things will be added Onto you. Because that's the truth, the biblical truth. Right priorities will bring about a comforting promise. If we are His, He will care for our needs. It means that if we let Him be the center of our life, as a result of it, other things will begin to fall into shape in our life as He's at the very center. What do we do with this? Jesus is calling us to embrace this priority of making him king in our life and receiving his righteousness. What does this mean? How do we go about it? Let me tell you right from the very beginning a very important truth that I need to keep on repeating to myself again and again and again and I need to repeat it to you as well. Right spiritual priorities will not happen either naturally or accidentally. They will only happen if we are intentional. So if, and you know this, you really know this. If you're in a relationship, you know this. Intimacy and good stuff in a marriage will not happen naturally and accidentally. You need to be intentional about it. Same thing in terms of physical health. I know this. You know this. There are certain things that I need to do intentionally in order to make sure that my health is good. Accidentally or naturally, I've been eating so much cake over the last week. Therefore, I need to be intentional about making sure that something happens in terms of exercise and diet in the following weeks that are ahead. It doesn't happen naturally. 
Naturally, I'm not going out to jog. Naturally, I'm reaching out to the fridge for the cake. Accidentally, I'm doing the same thing. I've never accidentally jogged. I've accidentally eaten a lot of cake and chocolate. You get the idea. The same is true spiritually. D.A. Carson, just to back me up, brilliant Bible scholar, says this. People do not drift towards holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, and that's very significant. Make sure you hear that. People do not gravitate towards godliness, towards prayer, towards obedience to Scripture, towards faith and delight in the Lord. We don't gravitate towards those good priorities. We need to be intentional. So my invitation is very practical now at the beginning of the year for this opportunity that it provides us, 1st of January, New Year's resolutions, fresh start. It's an opportunity for us to actually embrace the priority of Jesus. And I'm going to give you a few helpful suggestions in this. The first one is audit your life. Do an audit over this week of your life. Here are the things that I've asked myself. Here are the questions. And if you want me, I I can email them to you. Just send me an email and ask me for them. Here, Here are the questions that I ask myself as I'm auditing my life. What do I care about? What upsets me? What dominates my thinking? How do I spend my time? How do I spend my money? How do I react in a crisis? For me, those questions would be very helpful to try to identify what are the wrong priorities in my life and whether God is actually the number one priority in my life. Auditing my life is the first step. The second one is eliminating distractions. I think a lot of stuff in our life is neither immoral and very often is amoral. It's not wrong to spend time on Facebook. It's not wrong to have a subscription to Netflix. But if I keep saying I don't have time to read my Bible, I don't have time to pray, but I have a lot of time to spend on Netflix and Facebook. Obviously, social media is available. I don't think there's any TikTokers in the room. You know, then it becomes a problem because it's a clutter to my life. So the question is, let's have a look at our calendar. Some of you are saying, what on earth is a calendar? I don't think there's anybody that puts their Netflix and Facebook social media time in their calendar. But it might not be a bad idea because it will give you a picture of what your life is really like. I've done that with people where people have said to me, I'm sorry, Christy, but I don't have time to read the Bible. And I say to them, come on, let's, let's get the gloves off. Let's be honest. Let's grab a coffee. Always grab a coffee. Let's sit down and let's talk. You tell me honestly about your week. How do you spend your time? And actually, if you've got a smartphone, just hand it over to me and he will tell me. So it's important to get hold of our calendar, so to speak, and actually look at how do we spend our time. And ask, here are the questions I'm asking myself. I'm in the same boat as you are, probably. You may be better than I am, actually, truth be told. Here's a question I ask myself in terms of eliminating distractions. Will doing this or spending time like this make me more Christ-like? 
And you might be saying, oh, don't ask me that question. It's true. If we are absolutely intentional about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we've got to ask that question. If I'm doing this thing, if I'm spending this time on this, will it make me more Christ-like? Will it make me love Jesus more? I love Strictly Come Dancing. I'm touching on idols now. It's getting there. I love Match of the Day. Will it make me love Jesus more? And listen, it's fine to watch Match of the Day. It's fine watching Strictly. As long as you don't ever use the excuse on that day that I didn't have enough time to read the Bible and pray. Because if you do, and you didn't, there's a challenge. Will this enable me to live missionally? And maybe this has to do more with our spending and our finance. Do I really need to buy that? So very often we say, oh, I can't support a missionary. I can't give to that cause. There's so many causes. I don't, I, don't, you know, I don't have a lot of money. And sometimes when we look at what we spend, we've got to ask the question, do I really need that? I mean, do, do I really need to go to Starbucks and pay other places that are available and pay flipping £4.50 for a coffee, you know, when you can make yourself one at home for 25 pence and use that £4.25 to give to a missional cause? Okay? It's just honesty. doesn't mean that you can't. You're probably going to see me next week in Starbucks and go, oh, you fat hypocrite. <laughs> I'm just trying to create that reality in our minds to understand what it really means to seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and eliminate those distractions. John Mark Homer, who writes really well about this whole issue, he says this, your life is in large part the cumulative effect of your daily habits. Habits matter. It's true. When we peel it back, it's the day-to-day ordinary habits. The way I'm spending my time, the way I am pouring my passion into something, the way I'm spending my finances, it will actually, when you draw the line at the end of our life, will sum up who we were and what we did. It's those ordinary daily things. And it matters. Third and the last thing. Develop a Christ-centered life. And for this, as I said already, you need to be intentional and strategic. And it needs to be personalized. What works for Ian doesn't work for me. I, this was one of the most crippling things in, in my Christian uh, growing up, if you want. Is that I used to copy other Christians and try to do what they did. You know, I, I vividly remember Jim Pratt used to read the Bible, uh, you know, I think two or three times throughout the year. Man alive, I'm struggling to read. You know, when I'm getting to Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah, I'm losing the will to live. You know, and it's God's word and I'm a pastor and I'm a preacher. I should be so much better than that. And I used to feel so guilty that there are other people in the church who are able to read their Bible three, four, five times a year And I just barely managed to get all the finishing line, you know, through. Same with prayer. 
There are people who would say, oh, just woke up at four. You know, and from four till eight, I just spent time praying. I get to 20 minutes, and I start thinking about food and football and all sorts of idolatrous, terrible things, you know. But peel back the layers. It's not because I'm a poor Christian. It's not because I'm not devoted. It's because my personality and the way my mind functions is different. I've got an incredibly short attention span. So I'm not a contemplative person. I find, I find silence really difficult. I'm one of those people that needs lists. I need stuff to stimulate me. So I need to find my own personalized way of praying. Same with reading the Bible. You know, I just got a Bible reading program this morning sent to me, which has, you know, a reading from the New Old Testament, a reading from the New Testament, one from the Psalms, one from Proverbs. I'd go bonkers. I'd get confused. I wouldn't know where I am. I have to read it chronologically, Genesis to Revelation, because that's what works for me. If I did the four different things, you know, at the end of the day, you ask me, Christy, what did you read? I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. It was just all confusion. It's just the way my personality works. It works for you. It works, obviously, for a lot of people who love that reading program. But it's finding out what helps you to grow close to the Lord and putting those things into place and developing those intentional routines. We need to fight haphazard, undisciplined Christian living. If we are undisciplined in our devotional life, you and I, we will struggle. I'm not going to lie to you. You will struggle. And you will say to me week after week, my Christian life sucks. I'm looking at all the other people who are doing better. It will. It will. If you neglect God's word, if you neglect prayer, if you neglect coming to church, going to the connect group, if you neglect having an opportunity to serve missionally and share your faith with other people, you will struggle. I'll give it in writing to you. You will struggle. So we need to be intentional about developing a Christ-centered life with Jesus is right at the very center of our life. So that means that Jesus being central, everything else, whether it's hobbies or leisure or family, family is one of the most idolatrous things in, in Christian culture today. Okay? Nobody's giving me an amen. All right. Okay. I'll probably get the, oh, you're not married thing. It's so true. So very often, you know, those things, whether it's leisure or whether it's work, or whether it's family, can replace the centrality of Christ. And what I've seen in, in the pastoral work that I've been doing it, people who do that, if you don't put Jesus first, you will struggle in your work, you will struggle in your marriage and parenting, you will struggle in the whole leisure aspect of your life, because he will not satisfy. You can go on the most amazing holidays, and you can have the most amazing lengthy breaks, but somehow you come back tired. Because Jesus isn't the very center and the first thing in your life. But I've seen people who've done the opposite and put Jesus first. And for some bizarre reason, in their imperfect life, somehow their work, their family, their leisure life just falls into place in the right way. Because it's the right priority. Making Jesus central to our lives. St. Augustine used to say, Christ is not valued at all unless he is valued above all. That's a stark truth. 
We can't give Jesus leftovers and expect to live a full life in him. We've got to have the attitude where we're saying and acting and shaping our life in such a way that Jesus is everything. He is best. He is first. He is the only one. And then we let things take their course. And then it gets to happen where all other things shall be added unto you. So this morning is that invitation for us to embrace the priority of Jesus and his righteousness and his kingdom. And to simply come back and say, okay, I'm going to do some work throughout the week and the coming weeks. and I'm going to shape my life in such a way where Jesus is central. And begin to see how all the other things are beginning to fall into place. It's imperfect. It doesn't mean everything would be hunky-dory. That's not what I'm saying. Don't hear me wrong. But I can tell you, even though you may be going through difficult times, if Jesus is central, it will make all the difference. The supremacy of Christ's leadership in our life will be what makes the difference. I'm going to invite the band just to come. And we're going to respond as we worship this morning. And I want to call you this morning. I want to make an invitation. Hopefully I've inspired you to reevaluate your priorities and adjust everything in order to make Jesus the most important priority in your life. I think it's really important as well that this morning provides an opportunity to respond. The band are going to Invite us all to worship. But maybe the way we we do it this morning is a little different. Just to provide you personally, individually, and give you an opportunity to respond to God. Maybe your mind's already engaged with this, and you're thinking, okay, I can already see some things that need changing. I can see some things that I need to start doing, some things I need to stop doing. So your mind's engaged with this. But it's essential that your heart's engaged in this. Because you need that to be driving the affection towards the Lord. And as we sing the next couple of songs, I want to give room for the Holy Spirit to impact your heart and your affection. So that you don't just do this because it sounds like a good thing. You don't just do this because Christy said so. Or Jesus said so. But you do it because your heart is longing as the deer pants for the water, as the psalmist said. So my soul longs after you. So I'm inviting us to stay seated as we respond as a rule. But maybe as you sense God speaking to you about realigning your life to his purposes just want to encourage you to stand where you are as we sing. As a demonstration, physically, probably more than anything else, to yourself. To say, I, w- I want to do this. I- I'm tired of the old. I want to step into the new. And as you sing, just let the Holy Spirit give you that heart desire. 
for those new priorities in your life. Let's worship him.